podcast starts in three. You know what makes women stupid is college. Jesus was not a bartender. Hi, man. Two. You have lost your mind. Long tongue heifers have given me a lot more trouble than heifers wearing breeches. And you know that. Say amen right there. One. Let me tell you something, bozo. They'll be selling frosties in hell for this boy of Patona Sucked my thumb till I was 14 years of age. Hi, man. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast, COVID 19 edition. And uh, we are coming to you from quarantine in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Nathan's in Trenton, Georgia. Where are you at? Trenton, Georgia, or Trenton, Tennessee? Lookout Valley, Tennessee. Lookout Valley, Tennessee at the Holiday Inn, right? The Express. Yes, sir. Ooh, even th- better. I'm feeling smarter already. (laughs) And coming from Danville, Virginia, in the quarantine capital of the world, it's Brian Edwards. So welcome. Yes. Yes. No no COVID-19 here anywhere as of right now. Really? Yeah. I don't think it can find its way here. Yeah. Our county doesn't have it either. So we're out of all the Georgia counties. We don't have it. But Chattanooga is close. Wow. That's it. Nate, how's a legit quarantine for two weeks? So. Well, as uh, I think we mentioned on the last episode, I've been traveling the world, and uh, over the past couple of weeks, I have made my way through the United States, Canada, England, Spain, Italy, briefly. I was in the airport in Bologna, Italy, and then made my way to Budapest, Romania, then into Turkey, Istanbul, Turkey, and eventually ended up in Kathmandu and then the middle of Nepal. So, and I think I'm missing one or two countries in there, but yeah, I definitely got out. (laughs) Did you come home early or was your trip, did you cut your trip short? Yeah, we cut it short by about three or four days. On the way home, we were supposed to be going through Israel, staying a full day in Israel, then staying most of a day in Rome. And then landing in Lisbon, uh, Portugal, and staying there for a few hours and then heading back home. But we cut all that part out of the trip. It's a good thing I did because we would have ended up being stuck in yeah. uh, Europe. And so we totally avoided on the way home. On the way home, we flew from Kathmandu, Nepal to Oman, from Oman to Dubai, from Dubai, a 16-hour flight to JFK in New York City. Can you sleep on planes? Yes, I did sleep like three hours, two or three different times. So I got a little bit of sleep. But, man, I'm telling you what, jet lag is a real thing. Yeah. And uh, by the time I flew into JFK, then ran, literally sprinted through the airport to catch my flight, connecting flight to Atlanta. I landed in Atlanta, and, man, I could barely stand up straight. I was so tired. I got a. Uh, I didn't want to fly anymore, so I caught a shuttle from Atlanta uh, home to Chattanooga and slept the entire way in the most uncomfortable van seat <laughs> you've ever sat in. <laughs> and uh, got here, barely got a shower, almost fell asleep in the shower, got out, and then laid down and slept for ten hours. And I think it's the most wonderful sleep I've <laughs> ever had in my life. It was amazing. You deserved <laughs> it. You were on the Corona Tour 2020. Yeah, right yeah, no doubt. And uh, so I'm actually self-quarantining. The the elders at our church, my wife and I, decided that this would be best for my family and for the church and my friends. So I am in a really nice uh, suite 
at Holiday Inn Express here in Lookout Valley, overlooking the promised land. If you know where uh, the Holiday Inn Express is in Lookout Valley is overlooking Cracker Waffle Barrel. House oh. and Cracker Barrel. So Okay, I thought I knew that. I feel like I'm Moses. I can see the promised land, but I just can't get to it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking out of the window, but I do have Diner Dash on my phone, so I think I can get just about anybody to deliver so, uh, to outside of my room. <laughs> so, Nathan, awesome. I do have a question. Yes, sir. Didn't you come home through Russia? No, I, was, I, I flew over Russia uh, on the way from Dubai. I, I thought we would just fly directly, what is it, west? and uh, fly straight over the Atlantic Ocean, but apparently that's not the fastest way. So we flew like straight up from Dubai up to like uh, um, Greenland and then back down through, uh, so basically we flew up like to the top of the globe and then back down um, over Canada into New York City. Wow. Did you have Wi-Fi on the plane? Is that what, did you text us when you were over Moscow, Russia? Yeah, yeah, I did. I actually signed on the end of the Wi-Fi, and uh, it was it took I think ten minutes to send that one message to you guys. Uh, so after I sent that message, I was like, "Well, this is pointless if I'm not going to be able to text people." So I just I turned it off on my phone and didn't have it after that. So you're the you're the one group that I sent a text to from thirty six thousand feet in the air. Thank you so much. Well, I do have a question. <laughs> Yeah, so we're talking about your travels. Tell us just a little bit about the missions trip because, man, you went with a great gospel opportunity. And I know um, your mission was the gospel and to spread the gospel. So tell us a little bit about what the mission was like. Okay. Yeah, man, I appreciate you giving me that opportunity. So we, through some mutual friends and through the miracle of Facebook, we met a missionary a couple of years ago that is an indigenous missionary that is from Nepal and he is working in Nepal. He's born and raised there. And, uh, we, we saw his ministry and this guy is just doing some amazing gospel ministry with his own people in the mountain villages, the Himalayan nations in Nepal. And so, uh, we've stayed in touch with him for the past two years and we've been trying to send support to this guy. And, uh, Recently, in the last two years, uh, Nepal has become a communist nation, and uh, the government is actually blocking pastors, and it is, it's legal to be a Christian there, it's legal to go to church, but it is not legal to share your faith. So he is not allowed to evangelize or to do any of the things that he does, and so uh, he's, he's really, what he's doing is illegal, and he's in danger of being arrested just about every day of his life. And we saw what he was doing and we wanted to help. So we tried sending money three or four times and the government is blocking him from receiving anything, even from like uh, uh, MoneyGram or Western Union, anything like that. The only way I could actually send him money was depositing it into his bank account. And when we do that, the government takes, I think, 40% of it. Wow. So, so we decided that we were going to try to just take him some money on a trip because Nepal's doing a really big push to visit 2020, visit Nepal in 2020. So we went over there uh, just as tourists to visit with him. And when we went over there, all the, the Hope Churches did a little fundraiser, and I got to come to Danville and present the ministry. And uh, the Hope Churches pitched in and raised $3,800 in one week 
to be able to buy this missionary a motorcycle because wow. he is driving in the mountains way back up into the mountains uh hours it's the, the one place that we drove in the jeep it took us about an hour to get up there he told us that he goes there once a month and it takes him five and a half hours to hike up this mountain on the road to get to this village so this motorcycle is going to transform his ministry over there and we were also able to uh raise thousands of dollars to go over there and buy him multiple cases of bibles there's a bible society there where you have to order the bibles and we went there and picked them up on the jeep that we had rented and we were able to deliver these bibles to pastors and to believers in multiple churches there uh i think they have around 20 churches that they have i think planted 17 of them and the rest of them are churches that they're working with. So there is an actual network of church plants over there. And almost none of the believers that have been converted in these churches had Bibles. So we were able to pass out Bibles in, I think, five or six of these churches. And these were believers who had come to faith in Christ, been baptized, yet they have never owned a Bible. And we were able to give out all the Bibles to these believers and we were able to buy study Bibles for the pastors in these locations. And they were so, so happy to get their hands on these study Bibles. So that was a, that was a really, really cool experience. And we got to do some backpacking up into some churches that we couldn't get to by car. And I did two days of the most crazy difficult backpacking trip I've ever even imagined up into these mountains. And after that two day hiking trip, um, I, I could barely walk. And these pastors that are up there in these mountains do this every single day. This is their mm. full-time job and they don't get paid for it. They're volunteers. Wow. And wow. Uh, I have never seen anybody that has worked this hard, uh, pastors, missionaries. I'm, I've never seen anyone that works as hard as they do to spread the gospel over there. The danger of their the risk of their own lives and man, I was personally challenged and inspired. I, I went over there as a student to learn from them and to serve them. And I want to tell you something. I came back a changed person and my, my, my life and my ministry has been challenged through the ministry of these pastors that are serving over there. It's, it's an amazing Fantastic. work. Awesome. Really brings up the light how not spoiled, but just I guess spoiled or how much we take for granted here. I mean, like yeah. we're, we're, we're sad right now that we have to do church online in certain <laughs> ways where, you know, we're, I'm sitting in my boxers on Sunday morning, typing to people and doing church, you know? And, but then when I hear that, I'm like, man, it really brings it to light. I'm not, I'm not, I would die if I had to hike to church. You know what I mean? Dude, just, <laughs> I'm telling you spoiled, spoiled is a good word. The very first day we got there, they do church on Saturdays and on Sundays because these pastors rotate through the churches because all the churches don't have pastors. And the very wow. first Saturday I was there, the first morning I woke up in Nepal, they picked us up early and we drove a pretty long ways and got to this church. And uh, after the service, I think there were probably 60 or 70 people there. And after the service, uh, the pastor introduced us to some people and he showed us a group of three or four ladies and he said, these ladies woke up and hiked two and a half hours off of the mountain to get to church on time this morning. My gosh. And that in and of itself just absolutely blew my mind. They didn't have chairs in the church. They were all sitting on the floor. But, buddy, their worship was unbelievable. Their singing 
and I had an opportunity to open the word and preach through an interpreter. And man, it was, it was amazing. These people are hungry for the word. They are happy. We shared the gospel in some villages where, you know, nobody had shoes on. They, they live in the most primitive uh, environment you could imagine. And these people were happy and loved Jesus. And there was about 80 or 90 people that packed into this little church that is probably about the size of one of our closets. And uh, they all packed in there and sang and worshiped Jesus. And man, it was just an amazing, amazing experience. The only awesome. time I ever witnessed anything like that was when uh, I was in Africa and I witnessed people walking for hours just to get to a gathering uh, to be with the church and what was really cool about it guys you know when we arrived we were driving hours back into little villages they had no modern conveniences whatsoever television radio even even you know what we would call a livable house they had none of that and yet when i would arrive they were already celebrating and clapping and dancing and singing and there was a joy about them that I had never seen before. And so even walking hours, they were early. You think about it. We get to drive a few miles down the road and people arrive yeah. late with no joy. <laughs> true. I remember hearing a story years ago. I don't know if it was at Temple Baptist where we grew up or at Missions Conference at Tennessee Temple, but there was a pastor um, from Africa uh, that was asked one time, he said, do you, do you wish you had more? And he said, no. He said, there's five of us that live in this little bitty one-room hut. He said, we have shelter. He said, that tree right there gives my family fruit. He said, we got a stream down there that gives us water. We can bathe. We can drink. We can do all that. He said, we get shade. He said, I have everything I need right here. I've got God's word. I've got my church right there. And it was just incredible to me to hear this dude lives in a hut with five people. I live in a house with eight people. And I'm like, this, the, the walls are closing in on us right now. <laughs> he had a tree that gave him shelter and fruit and a stream, a dirty stream that they bathed in and they drank out of, but he was happy. He was, he found his contentness in the Lord. And I don't know if that's yeah. a word, but, you know, I think I, I, I read a book years ago. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this guy, brother Lawrence. Um, he was a monk yes. back in the and he, he wrote a book called practicing the presence of God. And this man mm. never did anything powerful, earthly speaking. He washed dishes, and he swept floors. And he said, if I can do that for the glory of God, I want to practice the presence of God so real in my life that what I'm doing, washing dishes or sweeping a floor gives God glory. And I'm, I'm happy in doing that. I was like, that just blew me away when I read that passage. That's amazing. Well, you know, the scripture, the Bible says, you know, whatever you do, whether you eat or whether you drink, do all to the glory of God. And the reason he used eat and drink was because those, those were just common things that they were doing every single day. You know, eating and drinking is just a part of daily life. It's something we don't even think about, you know, going to the, to the sink and getting something to drink or the refrigerator, getting something to eat. We, we don't think anything about it. And so even in the mundane, we're to live to the glory of God. So I think people need to be aware that our daily lives in the way we work, in the way we worship, it's all an expression of, of worship for God's glory. That's good, Brian. And I think that transitions into kind of where we're at right now um, in our culture. I mean, Nate, you've come back to a totally different America than you left at a few weeks ago. I mean, we are kind of 
gripped by fear right now. Um, our, our way of living has changed. I think, I mean, all three of us, we're sitting here in quarantine in three different places in three different states right now, you know, talking on the phone or on Zoom and recording this. We've got our families quarantined to houses. You know, there's mandates that are being put in place. Churches did not meet. Some met this week, some met online. And so I think even the way how we're doing church is being kind of, it's being shaken, you know, and I think it's an incredible opportunity. I mean, look at social media, man. There was a revival on social media Sunday with thousands and thousands of people going to church online, but there's also a, a level of fear. And, and I don't want us to, you know, not hit on the fact that, you know, we're, I, I could speak for myself and I think for you guys, I think there's a little level of uncertainty. Um, you know, there, there's some fear of the unknown, like what if, you know, I mean, I got six humans I got to keep alive. What does church look like? You know, Brian, me and you talked earlier today and I'll let you get on that, you know, with budgets, there's a lot of churches that are wondering, are we going to have the tithe or is, is there going to be resources that are coming in? And I think God has really given us a platform for such a time as this right now that we can really bring some hope to some folks listening right now. And so kind of just where are you guys at with, with the way that everything is? Nate, you've seen it from a, you've been on the Corona tour 2020. So you've seen it as you've been following it. But Brian, you know, us here watching the news, I've had to turn the news off because I'm like, I don't know what's real. I don't know what's fake. I'm trying to get off social media. There's just so much that is, is man, it can overwhelm you in certain ways. And this thing that I just keep trying to say to myself and, and, Second Timothy 1 7, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I'm like, choose faith over fear. Because I find myself yes. teaching and preaching this, but then living in other ways. And I'm like, man, this is where the rubber meets the road. Like, this is where we got to practice faith over fear. Where's this all hitting you guys right now? Well, I think, you know, Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Mm. Each day has enough trouble of its own, that's taking on an entirely different meaning. Yeah. How do we live by that? And I just want to make, you know, this confession that as a pastor right now, I'm afraid. Yeah. I've been talking to other guys in ministry and I've had pastors calling me and they're deeply concerned. You know, I think, let's be honest, as Americans, we live in a bubble. Sure. We think, you know, life's as simple as riding down the road to a restaurant, having someone wait on us. It's as easy as going to the grocery store and filling up a cart. We, we vacation as we want to. We travel as we want to. We have all kinds of luxuries. And I think we live with the idea that we're entitled to that or that's the way life is. And I think what we're seeing right now is that life can change in a moment. Think about it. Within 48 hours, everything changed. The other thing that's really challenging me is how selfish people are. Yeah. It's really sad to see, you know, the shelves emptying in grocery stores because people are buying selfishly. This morning, I stopped by our local grocery store. We were actually fixing chicken noodle soup today for elderly people um, in our family uh, of the church. And we, we stopped by and all the shelves were just about barren. And the lady at the cash register said that the same people are coming in and buying up basically everything day after day after day. 
and, and seeing this level of selfishness. And then on a practical level, how do we choose faith over fear? And so I think there are deep concerns. And I know I have some more to say about that. But Nathan, I know we were talking about that. And I think you have something to add to that conversation as well. Yeah, the, the perspective I've been taking was that exactly what JC brought up was being overseas and being in a third world economy and seeing people living and serving Jesus and happy. And I was in villages where people basically live in a cashless society because I mean, they're, they're hunting and planting and gathering and living off the food that they raise and selling what was extra. And they don't even get to go down to the market because it's so far, but there are trucks that drive up into the mountains and they will uh, trade with these people. And uh, these people are excluded. Uh, they live out in the middle of nowhere and all they know is their little village and yet they're happy and they don't have really any possessions. They sleep on the floor. They sleep on these little kind of like a hard coffee table is the easiest thing I could describe what these people sleep on. And uh, I was in one house where it's one room and there were like the mom and dad and three kids and sleeping in one room. And then there's the kitchen in the corner, which is a little uh, hole in the floor that looks like a campfire. And uh, that, that's just how they live. Yet they love Jesus and they're happy. These people, by the time I woke up at 6.30 and got dressed the morning we had to hike out of this village that I slept in, they were already up all out in their gardens, working, plowing, planting, and were happy to see us. And I just don't think I've ever been around people that were so happy, yet these were the people that have the least of anyone I've ever met in my life. And so materially, I'm not concerned about uh, America because we can afford to lose a lot of material possessions. What I'm really concerned about is, is people spiritually, because, you know, we saw in the, uh, in the crash of, of the Great Depression, where people who lost their entire fortunes in a day were taking their own lives, jumping out of windows and jumping out of buildings, and, and their whole life was wrapped up in possessions. And when they lost that, their idol was gone, and they had no reason to live. So looking at not just Americans, but even my own life and how much luxury I live in. And I am by no means wealthy. I am absolutely not rich. I don't make six figures by American standards. I, I, I'm right on the poverty level, just about. But compared to the people I was with, I was a very, very, very wealthy man. I went on a hike with eight different people through the mountains, and I was the only one in that group that owned a vehicle. And uh, it just totally takes on a whole new meaning of, of possessions. So on one side of it, you know, I don't think it's going to hurt us to lose some material possessions. I know God can take care of us in that situation. But on the other side of it, I have a family uh, who are depending on me to make a living. Uh, we have a house that I would like to be able to continue making the payment. And I have car payments on one of our cars. So there is a side of me that, no, I don't want to go back to living in a hunting and gathering type of scenario. <laughs> I, know, I know I'll be able to survive and God will take care of me if that happens, but I'm not ready to move to the middle of Nepal and, and live that way. 
And so, so there's two different sides that are competing where I know God can take care of us and I don't want to give into a spirit of fear. But the other side is I don't want the bank to come and take my house back after three months yeah. because, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor and we basically live week to week and, you know, life is uncertain for us right now, just like it is for everybody. I think that's the thing, Nathan. I'm really glad that you transitioned to that because, you know, that's where people's fear lies. You know, when they start talking about shutting down our culture, no factory work, no, no restaurants open. I, I talked to a man this evening, and this is what he said. The mom-and-pop restaurant that we've known all of our lives, they don't have takeout. They, they don't have an apparatus or a system for that. And, and so I think, you know, what I'm hearing from people is just the fear of, you know, what's going to happen if, if my company closes, what's going to happen if the business I started shuts down? What about the waitress who depends on tips to feed her kids? And, you know, there's, there's all of this that's really facing people. And we look at third world countries and that's their way of life. They don't know anything differently or anything different than that. But yet, you know, what we're describing is our way of life and we're a developed nation and we do have responsibilities and fears and there are jobs. And so I think the fear that people is feeling and that they're dealing with, it's very real right now. JC, do you agree with that? I do. I think there, I think the biggest level of, of freak out, if you will, is that our way of thinking of how we do church is really being questioned right now because we've been doing it the same way forever. I mean, the comfortableness showing up at church, we're expecting a crowd, we're expecting folks to show up. We're going to sing, we're going to preach, we're going to go home, we're going to take our offerings. And we're kind of, that that's being questioned right now because we're doing it online. We're doing, you know, how are people going to give? How are we going to keep the lights on? How are, That's how all three of us make a living right now, you know? And so I think those those fears are legitimate. I don't think asking why, uh, you know, right now and God, how are we going to get through this? I mean, I've got six mouths to feed plus my wife and I and a big dog, you know, and, uh, you know, all the, the legitimate concerns that every single one of you listening are are dealing with. And I think in this moment, though, we can't control the outcome of this. I don't think that we no. can control anything, but we do have a resource. And that is to call on him in prayer and to, you know, continue to just seek him and say, God, Hey, have mercy on us. You know, we, we're going to be faithful while we're in the middle. And I think that's the biggest thing is having faith in the middle. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people on social media that are kind of minimizing people's concerns. And today I, I believe our heart is to legitimize people's concerns yes. because there are some very serious concerns and you're not a bad Christian for, for being concerned. Now it can cross over into worry and it can cross over into doubt where you don't trust God. So we want to encourage you not to have the spirit of fear, but to know that your father is going to take care of you and he's watching out for you and that you will be okay. And, uh, this, this is, is going to work out for our good and for his glory. So we, we want to legitimize those concerns while at the same time warning people not to crossover into worry and doubt yeah. and fear. You know, I was thinking just now, Nathan, as you were saying that, you know, I love that, that terminology, legitimize it mm. to say to people, Hey, we understand it's real. We're feeling the same thing. And you remember when Peter was walking on the water uh, to go to Jesus 
Think about it. Jesus was in view. Jesus was on the water. Jesus wasn't being impacted by the storm nor the circumstances. And so Peter could see in that moment that Jesus was greater than the storm. You know, Jesus wasn't being affected. He wasn't being tossed to and fro by the winds and the waves like the boat that they were in was. And yet when Peter was walking to Jesus, although Jesus was in view, he took his eyes off of Jesus and started to sink. And I think what we need to say to people is having a relationship with Jesus, being close to Jesus, doesn't mean that there aren't times when the yeah. storm takes our eyes off of Jesus. That's good. Because that's been something, you know, Brian, I was going to ask you, what is God teaching you through this? Something that I've been going through is that that phrasing, having faith in the middle. My story goes to the first time the disciples were in a storm with Jesus. And he said, let's go to the other side. And the Bible tells us in Gospels, he goes to the bottom part and sleeps on a pillow. I mean, he was in play and sleep. And then they hit that storm in the Sea of Galilee there. And I, I find it interesting that I do this myself, and I can't speak for you two, but when we freak out, we tend to say some really crazy things. We tend yes. to act differently, like buying up all the toilet paper. And, you know, I mean, we, we, we go crazy. And the disciples in that moment started stressing. And what did they do? They go to Jesus, who's asleep in the bottom of the boat, and they wake him up, and they said, don't you care that we're about to die? <laughs> like It's like the ultimate freak-out moment, you know? And I love what the passage tells us, that he gets up, he rebukes the wind. He says, peace be still. And immediately there's a great calm. And I found this the other day as I was reading, I was like, it's interesting. He doesn't say storm, be still. He says, peace, be still. What seemed to be a storm to the disciples was just peace in motion. They let their current circumstance cloud their view of what Jesus said. And that was, let's wow. go to the other side. He didn't say, let's get in the middle and then the storm's going to hit and we're dead. No, he said, let's go to the other side. Because there's a dude who has a legion of demons on the other side that he's got to me and who is going to be set free and by the way he put those demons into those pigs and those pigs jumped off the cliff that's where we get deviled ham from that's free <laughs> um, so, <laughs> but what i love about that what i love about that story is faith in the middle here's what that's been telling me is we we know how this started it started with some rumors in china and then it continued to grow and then it grew and grew so we saw the beginning we're stuck in the middle right now we can't see the end of this but giving us faith in the middle still being wise and legitimizing what's going on and saying, yeah, we're going to wash our hands. We're going to take our vitamin C. We're going to quarantine. We're going to do all this, but having faith in the middle that God is in control. So I, I go back to the Christmas parade with my daughter. We're, uh, we're watching this and Brian, you, you've never seen the Easter Ridge Christmas parade here in Georgia, but it is, it's great. And uh, <laughs> there's these things, the Shriners get on these little gas cars and they do this figure eight the whole time and you're dying from gas smell. It's just crazy. <laughs> they got stuck in front of us this past Christmas parade because somebody fell off a float at the beginning of the parade and it stopped the whole thing. So for eight minutes, these cars are just doing this figure eight in front of us. And my daughter was starting to get stressed out. So I picked her up and put her on my shoulder. And she started saying, I see Santa. I see Santa. Why? Her perspective changed. She could see the beginning that they were stopping. She could see the middle, but she could also see what was coming at the end. And I think nice. a lot of us right now, man, we've got to have faith in the middle that God is in control. He, this isn't taking him by surprise. And I'm keeping reminding myself that God is in control during this, that none of this is taken in by surprise. I sing, he's perfect in all of his ways. I preach that God is in control. I've got to learn to live with that in the middle. Man, I didn't mean to preach, let's take an offering. But that just, yeah, that's... you know, when you, when you hit that right there on him walking on the water, I was like, man, back up. Because here's the other thing. When they saw him, they were terrified when he was outside of the boat. 
before when he was in the boat asleep, they were terrified, said, who is this that even the winds and waves obey him? When Jesus got in the boat after Peter walked on the water, they said, he is the son of God that the wind and waves obey him. They were terrified in the storm, but they were calmed when he was in the boat. And I was just like, man, that's been preaching at me all day because I'm like, faith in the middle. We are stuck in the middle at our house in quarantine. This is like the middle. We don't know when this is going to end two weeks, eight weeks, August, but have faith in the middle. Go ahead, Nate. Let's take an yeah, offering. We, we, <laughs> we don't know how this is going to turn out. None of us are prophets, and mm. we can't uh, tell how this is going to turn out in the future, but I do know one thing. God is going to use this for the good of his church, I believe and that. We, we may lose some possessions. We may have to adjust our lifestyle. This may turn into the worst-case scenario, like some people are kind of going to and we're, we're all having to think through or this may be a you know hey we are americans we are you know the cowboy nation where we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we figure this out and i, I wanted to mention that i, I read a, a a blog post the other day from a christian lady an american christian lady who lives in wuhan the wuhan province in china and uh she was posting uh, three days ago that they were just coming out of a 60 plus day quarantine mm. and she had shared pictures and told about her experience how basically their entire town had to shift to working from home and they were under the 60 day uh quarantine and they were just now getting to come out of their house after 60 days and the businesses were starting back up and things were starting back up and she had experienced what we would consider one of the worst case scenarios. And yet everything was getting back to normal. She said that people hadn't gone bankrupt, that they had survived, that there were things that they were doing. And after I read that post, I thought, I can't imagine all of America having to go to what they had gone through, yet they survived it. And they were coming through on the other side. They had made adjustments. They had mm -hmm. figured out how to, how to, uh, basically make the best of a bad situation. So I believe that those of us who are prone to take this to a worst case scenario and imagine, hey, we're going to be eating spam out of a can, <laughs> living in the middle of the park, and the bank is going to take our house back and our church is going to fall apart. Those of us who tend to drift that way, I don't think that's going to happen. And I'll admit that I'm the guy who goes the other way, and I'm always positive and optimistic. So I think somewhere in the middle, we're going to figure out how to make the best out of this. And uh, I know that God is going to take care of us no matter what happens. Amen. By the way, for our listeners, you know, JC and Nathan and myself, we're all great friends. So in, in the conversation that Nathan was just having and in that last sentence, my name is us. <laughs> my wife, anytime I make her upset and she says, people are always, you know, in that, in that situation, my name is people. But <laughs> no, I'm the one. I'm the one who always goes to the negative, and Nathan's the one who always goes to the extreme positive. If we were on a seesaw, it wouldn't. And go, the truth it, is always somewhere in the middle between yeah, us, it, <laughs> where JC is in the middle. Um, <laughs> but but you know, here's what I will say. A little while back, man, my dad shared something with me that was so wise. I was going through a difficult time, and I was really dealing with some regret. That's what the situation was specifically. And I asked my dad about it, and my dad thought for just a second, you know, and, you know, God's given him so much wisdom, and, and he just said to me, he said, Brian, 
you can only live in the light you have at the moment. And he asked wow. me this question. He said, when you get in your car and you crank it and you turn on your headlights, does it, do, the, do your headlights light the way all the way to your destination? Mm. Or do they just light the road right in front of you? That's and I good. said, well, you know, Dad, they just, they just light the road right in front of me. He said, but if you keep driving in that light, eventually you do reach your destination. And so I think I would say to people, right now the thing that is fearful is we don't have light all the way to the destination. Yeah. We just don't, but God does. And we're going to be a little nervous living in the light we have, but we've just got to keep living. God knows where we're headed. By the way, it, I saw something funny this past week, a young girl who's really famous on Twitter. She said, you know, 40 people die from coronavirus and the whole world freaks out. Over a half million people die every year in America from heart disease, and we fry chicken and put it between two glazed donuts. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, that is so true. The way we deal with things in the moment, you know, sometimes we struggle. It's because we only have limited light. A little while back, I was in a city. I was in Orlando, actually, and they were doing, you know, huge road construction. And uh, we were routed downtown Orlando. By the way, it was on the outskirts of outtown. Uh, or, I think I just said that wrong. It was on the outskirts, <laughs> outskirts of, of outtown. <laughs> yes, it was. But, but we were there, and we were totally lost because someone in the inner city thought it'd be funny to steal all the detour signs. And we were, we were really in a bad situation. You're talking to two uh, old for a lot of here, reason. man. We're like, yep, we know them. <laughs> That's so, hilarious. No, it wasn't uh, at the moment because there were basically some, there were some riots happening and all that. Uh, and, and the rental car that I was in had this feature, like an OnStar button. And I pressed the OnStar button, and a voice came over the OnStar and said, uh, hello, Mr. Edwards. And I said, hello, you know my name. Yes, you know, it's, it's tagged to your rental car. And I said, well, you can call me Brian. Uh, I'm lost right now. I don't know where I am. I don't know how to get to the hotel. Told the person about the detour signs being stolen. And this is what they said. They said, don't worry, I see you. I'm going to guide you turn by turn, and I'm going to stay with you all the way until you reach your destination. Dude, that's awesome. Fine. And think about it. <laughs> that's the way God sees us, where we are and where we need to be, and he's going to stay with us according to his promise. Praise the Lord, all the way until we reach our destination. Boys, we dropped Man, some that's... nuggets on this episode. We need to take two off that right is... now. <laughs> That is good stuff. And you know what I love about this episode? We have not mentioned legalism one time. Yeah. I we mean, the name, of our <laughs> the name of our podcast is The Recovering Fundamentalist. And I love that we've just talked for, I don't know, 20-something minutes. And uh, we haven't had to go there. But I think it's time to go there. Can we talk yeah. about that? Yeah. Okay. I, man, so, Nate, you missed Twitter. You have missed Twitter. <laughs> Brian has been blowing up some Twitter here lately. I need to catch up on that. So apparently, um, we're all worse, worse liberals than we were before because we had online church this week. And yeah. apparently, there are a lot of people who are kind of taking this whole thing to places that it really shouldn't go to. Brian, I hear you've been going through some uh, interesting uh, Twitter battles or... Well, I would call it Tony Hudson is a bold-faced liar. 
Um, that's what I would call it. There it is. Um, Let's just you know, go ahead and go right at the point. We don't want to mention names, but. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we actually do. Um, Tony Hudson was preaching in this, this church building, and um, there were only a few people there, and he got on this, this rant where he's just really bragging on himself, and he's talking about all the preachers that he knows, and he has their social security numbers because of the 1099s. And then he mentions my dad's name, calls him by name, and he made the comment, I fed Craig Edwards for 10 years. And, and my dad only preached for him once back in like 2004, 2005. You know, Tony Hudson never fed anybody but himself. Um, and so I really, took, I really took offense to that because, you know, my dad preached 50 weeks a year in 20-some different states. Then he was pastoring a church and preaching over 30 weeks in revival meetings in different states. And one time happened to be Tony Hudson. One time, one meeting. And he's going to make the comment that he fed my dad for 10 years. And I just want to say this. You know, God's been really gracious to my mom and dad. Uh, if Tony Hudson feeds you, he must feed you really well. I can at least say that. <laughs> but, but, you know, that's not the only thing that really bothered me this week. Another pastor, they were glorifying not canceling church. Mm. And they, he took a video of their buses lined up. And as people were going out to the buses, this is what he said. And I quote, there goes my workers. Yep. Boy, mm. what a confession in that. that moment. There goes my workers. In other words, this is my kingdom. They're my workers. They belong to me. And that's, that's a frightening thing to say. And, and then, you know, another group having toilet paper Sunday. Yeah. Where if you would ride the bus, they would give you a roll of toilet paper. Literally, he shot a video with a flyer that said free toilet paper Sunday. And if you got on the bus, you got a roll of toilet paper. It was that's, unbelievable. It that's blew the my craziest mind. thing I've ever heard. I never thought I would hear anybody say that sentence. <laughs> he also came out with a track that has the coronavirus on the front uh, you knew it was going to happen somebody oh, yeah. was going to make a track that you know save your soul from the virus that cannot be what is it i can't remember what the track said but he made a coronavirus track we got to get our hands on one of those <laughs> yeah we need to and by the way i want to back up just a little bit and clarify something i'm not saying everything tony hudson says is a lie and I'm not saying that, you know, Tony Hudson is an immoral man. I'm not saying he's not true to his wife. I'm not saying he's not financially responsible with um, the group that he serves. I'm not saying that Tony Hudson is, is not a Christian. I'm not saying any of those things. But in that moment of bragging, he was incredibly dishonest. And let's be honest, that's what fundamentalism led us to do as preachers, to play to our audience to say the things we knew we were supposed to say. We wanted to get a rise out of people in that moment. Uh, and, and so I think that's what he was doing. He was playing to his audience. And yet, you know, we are bound as preachers of the gospel not to do that. We're not to make much of ourselves. We're to make much of Jesus. And so in that moment, the wrong is not that he said something against my dad. I do take that personally. I'm going to be honest. My dad is, he's my best friend. He's my hero. And so in that moment, 
you know, because I know what a godly example my dad is, what a great man he is. So I take that personally. But in the moment, the real, the real wrong is a failure to make much of Jesus in the moments that he had to share with that congregation. I think along those lines, there's been a guy writing some great blog posts and uh, posting those here lately. I think me and Nate have been targets of his, of his blog. Brian, have, has he come out with one of you yet? I don't know because I, I don't keep up with it. I've had so many people hating me recently. Dude. I haven't had time to keep up with all <laughs> I'm of it. I'm telling you, we knew it was going to happen. We've just been waiting on it. And Nate and I got a, got exposed by this. I don't know what he is. I can't figure out. He's not legalist. It's, it's a totally different. He's a, he's on a whole nother level. Isn't he? I, I think, think we he's need somewhere to... between a Mennonite and a holiness. He's, you remember I, think the... he, I think he created his own little thing. <laughs> He's hey. evident, it's it's him and God. He's like fourth. He makes the Trinity That's a quartet. It. Evidently, he's the tester. He's the tester. He's That's here it. to test your ministry. Well, if he's between a holiness and a Mennonite, you know their theme song, "Oh Holy Night." Oh, that... there it was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was bad. I'm a dad. dad I made bad joke jokes. Time. <laughs> he actually showed up at our church. He had a speaker. He was preaching outside. He had on body cameras, and uh, he, he he picketed said, you. Yeah, he said, I'm here to publicly rebuke J.C. Groves, Rockbridge Community Church, our lead pastor, Matt. Like, it was crazy. So Now, did your pastor, waiting. did Matt and him have a conversation on video? I haven't got to watch yeah. that yet. So Matt went out to, because he showed up in Dalton. He didn't come to my campus. He went to our main yeah. campus, and Matt went out and said, hey, you know, introduce himself. He said, hey, let's go talk. I'd love to talk to you in private. He said, no, I'm here to publicly rebuke you. And uh, so that's what he did. I think we need to tag, we'll, we'll tag tomorrow on the social media we'll put the blogs on there so y'all can read this incredible junk don't share it because we don't want to give this guy any props i mean we're giving him too much prop right now uh yeah not prop, i agree uh not props but too much airtime <laughs> but well, it's, it's pretty funny reading because he, he goes on that we're like reprobates because we like the nfl and yeah Nate, you went to a heathen in north carolina game i did agree with him on that one <laughs> I'm, I'm questioning your salvation there <laughs> well you know one thing i can say is you know, I'd been out of fundamentalism for years. I mean, for years and years and years. And, and coming back on this podcast has put me back in the line of fire. Um, yeah. I didn't realize how much that was going to happen. I, I thought it might, but, you know, I was hated on for a long time by a lot of people. And I was hoping, you know, that they had chewed me enough that they'd gotten tired of the taste. But now coming back on the podcast, has reintroduced me to that. And to be honest with you, you know, that's, it's frustrating if I'm, if I'm honest. Yeah. It I agree really with is. you in some ways. There's, there's conversations that I haven't had in a long time that this podcast has brought back up with individuals that I thought I was done with in certain ways. You know, that verse, shake off the dust from under your feet and keep on going. There was some, I thought the dust had been shaken off, but man, they jumped back on my feet and you know, it's kind of, turned it back up again. Nate, have you experienced any of that other than this yeah. one day? Yeah. And well, I was going to say something about Elder Jim. I don't, I don't remember his last name. <laughs> I don't even but remember. Elder Jim, like we had some exchanges uh, via email and messenger. And I finally just, I, I was trying to be really nice to him and he kept on trying to pick a fight and I just kept being nice and he kept trying to pick a fight. And finally I sent him the verse out of Nehemiah. I said, I cannot come down from the wall. I'm doing a great work. And wow. that was just kind of like my, my last thing. I was like, look, dude, I'm, I'm busy. 
I don't have yeah. time. You, you are a distraction. Goodbye. And he yeah. said something back after that saying, oh, you're just scared to have a confrontation. You're scared <laughs> to be tested. And I was like, bro, I don't care about your approval. I don't care if you like me. I don't care if you accept me. I don't care if you approve of me. You are not my master. I answer to another master. And uh, that was that was the end of our exchange. And then he did that expose on me and I sent it to my family and I sent him an email because he sent me an email and said, hey, here's here's your testing. And so I went to the <laughs> the website page and read it and I laughed so hard. I sent him a response. I said, thank you so much. My friends are going to enjoy oh, yeah. the heck out of this. So oh, I sent yeah. it to you guys and I sent it to my wife and my kids. My wife and kids laughed so hard. They thought it was the funniest thing they'd ever read. They were, they were actually really proud of me for <laughs> making his page. They're like, wow, yeah, exactly. like, that like in one way kind of legitimizes you. If he calls you a heretic, <laughs> then you, you're actually doing something right. I agree. Yeah, I think the right response to that is I'm saved by Jesus. I'm called <laughs> by God, and I'm empowered by the Holy Ghost. <laughs> we need I, don't need, I don't need your approval. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I love it. Well, guys, I don't know how to end this one. Uh, I've been missing you guys. It's been a been a while. I think Brian, won't you uh, won't you close us out in prayer? Just pray for everybody that's listening. Pray for us. Pray for our country. I think that'd be a proper way to kind of wrap up today. Yeah, I think a good way to wrap this up is a scripture I actually wanted to share. Psalm thirty four verse four. Hmm. I sought the Lord, and He answered me, and He delivered me from all my fears. Wow. We're going to have to really seek God. Uh, we're going to have to really uh, pour our hearts out to him. And by the way, for everyone who's listening, as I pray, hey, listen, your fears are real. Yeah. And, and your pastor, he's afraid. He's nervous right now. You know, there, there are guys holding uh, right now the weight of knowing that the church has tremendous debt. And they're concerned about that right now. There are people in the church concerned. Where's this all going to end up? Some of you have elderly parents or elderly grandparents right now, and their health is not good, and you're worried about them. And I just want to say this. While, you know, we make jokes and we enjoy each other's company, we take this platform seriously. Yeah. And we know that God has placed you in our lives and us in your lives for a reason. And right now, hey, even for the fundamentalists who are tuning in because we know you're out there and you listen just to hear what we're going to say next. Hey, we love you. Yeah. We really do. And we're concerned for you because we know many of you, well, you love God and you love the people that God has given you the privilege to serve. And they're feeling the same fear as everyone else. And so this prayer is not reserved just for the people who are recovering from fundamentalism. This prayer is for those who are still in fundamentalism because what we're feeling it makes us all the same. And so let's just pray. Heavenly Father, tonight, um, as we come before you, God, right now, we are not just a nation, but we're a world being grabbed, uh, just gripped by fear. And the news out of Italy, it's frightening. Out of Iran, it's frightening. Spain, is now being listed as the fourth fastest growing country of this this virus. Uh, Lord, there's so many people who who just don't know where to turn. There's so many people who don't know what the outcome's going to be. God remind us of what Nathan said earlier that you are sovereign, that you are in control. 
God, all things are working together for your plan and your purpose. So right now, the dad who's worried because he's afraid if things get really bad that he don't know if he's going to have a job or not, I pray for him. For the mom who's concerned about her husband not having a job or who's concerned about the health of her children. For the students who don't know when they're going to be able to go back to school. And, it, you know, some people might think it's small, but they're high school seniors who've been looking forward to playing athletics their senior year. And they don't know how to handle the fact that, that that might be taken away from them, that opportunity might be taken away from them. And then, you know, the people in our communities who have the small restaurant or the small convenience store, the church, not, not being able to gather and not knowing when they'll be able to gather really again. Lord, all of these things, they represent our fears. But we're going to do what the psalmist said. We're going to seek you. We, we're going to believe that you're going to take away our fears and that you're going to deliver us. Thank you, Lord, that the Christians have a hope that is greater than this world. We have a regardless of the outcome hope because regardless of what the outcome is, our hope is in you. Your finished work on the cross and your finished work at the empty tomb. Lord, we know that you're seated tonight in heaven and God, you are in control and our faith is fully 100% in you. And so we pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, we want to thank our sponsor, J Radio. Uh, J Radio is an online music platform uh, that you can find music. Uh, they have any kind of music that you could want. Uh, inspirational music, instrumental music. If you like to sleep to it, if you want to do some yoga to some Christian music, hey, they've got all kinds of music. You can go to jradio.com. You can look them up on your iTunes and uh, you can find them on the app store for your Android and your Apple. It's J Radio, a sponsor of the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Nate, Brian, I love you fellas. Love you Glad too. we got to get back together and do this again. Nate, glad you're home. And glad to healthy. be back. Good talking to you guys. Glad you're healthy and enjoy quarantine. We'll come DoorDash. I'll I'll deliver you some Cracker Barrel and put it on your door and leave. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> if you just, really just, love him, take him some Champies. <laughs> I, I, I like both of those options. <laughs> if I get out, I'll bring you something. <laughs> All right, guys. I love you. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Love you, Duke. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Be sure to stop by our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Give us a follow. Also, go to our website, recoveringfundamentalist.org. That's recoveringfundamentalist.org. There you can find Recovering Fundamentalist swag. You can get your T-shirts and hats. You can join our ex-fundy community. See where we're going to be having some meetups. It's the recoveringfundamentalist.org. Be sure to join us next time for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast.